The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that for the next. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, down goes Duffy out cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. Hyperbole. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Frank Mir does it again, and in four days, as you know, Kenny, his daughter, Bella, will make her professional mixed martial arts debut at 17 years of age. I did not hear this news. That's Bro, crazy. I've been wow. tracking her every move, essentially, since she was 12 or 13 years old. I've been following her on Instagram. She's one of the best amateur athletes in the entire state of Nevada. She's all in. I mean, she can wow. deadlift twice as much as I can right now, maybe three times as much. I am all in chips in the center of the table on Bella Mir. And we actually might talk to Frank and Bella after the fact if she does win her professional debut. Wow. Uh, if you haven't been following her, you might argue, oh, maybe it's a touch premature at 17. But uh, Bella Mir is all the rage. And, of course, the show open made me think of that. But it's good to have you with us. Good Sunday to you from Abu Dhabi here in the United Arab Emirates. It is October 18, 2020. Episode 272 of the Anakin Florian podcast starring the former three-time UFC title challenger, Kenny Florian. Ken Flo, it's great to see you, man. You've called 158 robot fights in the last 10 days or so. You've got all sorts of personal stuff going on as well. And somehow, some way, despite the fact that we don't fatten the shit out of your bankroll necessarily, you still wake up at 745 Pacific time for the Anakin Florian podcast. I mean, we're not fucking worthy, man. I, I wouldn't miss it for anything, dude. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, um, I know, yeah, I'm in the middle of like a move over here. I got got a ton of shit going on, but we got to talk fights, my man. We got to talk. Well, we've fights. got a lot to get to today. We're going to recap the fights from last night. Ray Longo, of course, going to share his thoughts on Aljamain Sterling finally getting the title fight. And of course, yes. we're going to spend much of the latter half of the show on UFC 254, uh, which beckons this weekend and right here on Fight Island. All right. Today's headlines brought to you by DraftKings. So another week of football and fighting in the books. Now it is time to review the tape and prepare for this week. And of course, there's no better place to get in on all the action than with DraftKings, the leader in one day fantasy sports. And to add to this week's excitement, DraftKings has given you a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried DraftKings yet, I'm telling you, head to the app store right now. You don't want to miss this. It's simple to play. You pick your lineup, stay under the salary cap and see how your team stacks up against your friends and the rest of the competition. And immediately... You become more invested in the game, and every play, every pass and catch means more with DraftKings. And, of course, for everyone out there like us, looking forward to UFC 254, Habib versus Gaethje this weekend. Be sure to check out all of DraftKings MMA contests as well. So download the DraftKings app now. Use code AFPOD for a limited time. New users can get a free shot of millions of dollars in prizes this week. Don't miss out on the Week 7 action. Enter code AFPOD to get a free shot at millions of dollars in prizes with your first deposit. That's code AFPOD only at DraftKings. Make it rain. Minimum $5 deposit required. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for more details. All right. Brian T. City Ortega. I would reckon that 70% of mixed martial arts handicappers and maybe 75% of MMA fans were on the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung. And there were a lot of reasons why, Ken Flo, you picked him to win. You know, I probably would have leaned that way if I was forced to make a selection. 
But it wasn't just the fact that Henner Gracie didn't make the trip. There were a lot of unknowns with Brian T. City Ortega. And not only did he answer those questions, mute any of the naysayers that were out there, but he introduced a second version that looks very capable of beating the champion Alexander Volkanovsky. You know, I think we talked about it, but, you know, a lot can change in two years. Um, and I think this was a much better version of Ortega. He was really redesigned, uh, to be honest. And, uh, you know, he brought everything from better offensive skill to uh, a much, much improved defensive uh, mindset as well. Um, and I think what concerned me was the fact that Ortega will get in there and brawl. Um, that's that's kind of been one of his things. He he can also, uh, you know, kind of get chewed up uh, the beginning of a, a lot of fights. Um, and Korean Zombie has a knack for dragging you into a brawl. Well, Ortega didn't take the be- didn't take the bait. Um, I thought that not only did Ortega look different, he made Zombie look really bad. He he made him look like uh, he really was not a skillful fighter. Now that could be true, um, but Korean Zombie has no footwork. He he wants to get in there and trade, you know. Um, and Ortega was moving his feet extremely well. Got that jab going well. Uh, establishes long-range weapons. And anytime Zombie did get in, he was getting clipped with something hard, whether it was a spinning elbow attack or an uppercut or a short shot down the middle. Um, it was a brilliant performance by Brian Ortega. And you forget how young Brian Ortega is, not just age-wise, but also in terms of, of the mixed martial arts repetition. So yeah. it certainly shouldn't have seemed out of the realm of possibility that he could maximize a couple of years away and uh, right. reinvent himself in a lot of respects. And you got to think some of it is just getting different looks, right, and getting different coaches and different minds on you. I, I, we hear a lot of high-level fighters speak to this, right? You you made a major change at one point in your career, did you not? Absolutely. And I remember getting – absolutely destroyed for chewing out Ortega and his coach after his last fight against Max Holloway. I don't know if you remember that, but there were a lot of people that were saying I was really harsh. What do you mean he should ditch his striking coach? You know, this is who he's been right. with for the, right. What did he do? Did he right. look better? Right. Right. Did he not look better? Yeah. Listen, and, and it's hard. We have to make a lot of hard decisions, whether it's business or, you know, coaching or for, but if we're not looking out for our, our ability to be the best fighter we can be, sometimes you got to make these difficult decisions. And uh, I thought that whatever decision he made and whoever he went with has made him a much better fighter. So congratulations, Brian Ortega. I think this is giving him a whole new lease on life. And now it has a lot of people thinking that if this was a different fight, if this Ortega fought Max Holloway when Holloway right. was the champ, it might have been a very different result. You look at how close that last fight was. I mean, there were times where there were some close moments. Um, he would not have taken the same damage that he took in Max Holloway. Um, he would have been much better preserved. He would have been able to see since he would have been uh, not bleeding as much. I mean, it, this would have been, in my opinion, a whole different fight. And a fight against Volkanovski, I think, at this point, sounds a lot more interesting now when you look at what Ortega and his team has done. 
And certainly the fact that Alexander Volkanovsky got that close decision against Max Holloway in the rematch benefits Brian Ortega because had Holloway gotten the scorecards in a fight that many of us thought he won, then perhaps those two are destined for a trilogy. Instead, Dana White announces that it will be Brian T-City Ortega, who is the number one contender and who will challenge Alexander Volkov for the undisputed UFC featherweight championship. And you are jogging my memory a little bit on your Ortega criticism a couple years ago because I got fans banging on me last night like, oh, I'm going to go find your old tweets. I'm like, dude. Go find him. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I've been supporting <laughs> T-City and most right. of these athletes as much as humanly possible for years. But obviously there are times, Ken Flo, where we have to be critical. And that brings yeah. me to the Korean zombie very quickly here. I know you mentioned the footwork, uh, but he does have some coaches whom I hold in the highest of regard. His MMA coach, Santino DeFranco, Eddie Cha, his striking coach. So now if you're molding that clay based upon this result, Win versus learn. I mean, this gives them, I would think, a whole lot of of footage to work with. Uh, He didn't channel that inner zombie and really go for it late, which certainly surprised me. Uh, But what do you do from here if you're the Korean zombie? This is a major setback. Geez, you know what? I think he kept running into Brian Ortega's sword, and he he actually started thinking maybe for one of the first times or the only times in his career, how many times can I do this? How many times am I supposed to just run into and run into this dude's sword? And I feel like, uh, you know, Ortega just had his number out there. Um, But yeah, you know, I absolutely there's a ton of stuff you can take to to improve on. The problem is we haven't seen a lot of evolution in zombies game. It's always been kind of the same old thing. The guy hits hard. He gets into into the pocket uh, and he's going to look to trade and, and land some good combinations. Um, but I think Ortega really exposed a, a fundamental flaw in his footwork. Um, he was throwing himself off balance. Ortega was just too good out there. And the champion Alexander Volkanovsky, all he was asking for is somebody to step up and, and make themselves the true clear cut number one contender. And uh, no bonus, but mission accomplished for Brian T. City Ortega last night. Jessica Andrade got a bonus because she landed a, a hook to the body that. Uh, I'm sure Caitlin Chukagian is still feeling here on Sunday morning, Ken Flo. I mean, what else can you say about Jessica Andrade? I'll try not to go all career retrospective on you, but when you add this win to everything else that she's done, uh, she just continues to prove her greatness to me. She's one of my favorite fighters. You know, I think a lot of people saw this as a difficult fight for Andrade in a lot of ways. You know, coming off of two losses in a row, and Chukagian's tall, taller, lankier, going up a weight class again. All these things seem to have Andrade's back against the wall. Uh, and it was just not to be, um, you know, the most common question I get, John, from people who haven't fought are like, man, how do you guys take those shots? Like, doesn't it hurt? You know, you don't always see a fighter go ow in the middle of a fight. Right. And every right. once in a while you do it to cake. You kind of did that. Like she got hit in the stomach. She was like, ah, like to the point where she turned right. around, like she got, like she stubbed her toe, you like know, it was practice. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Man, Andrade just took full advantage of that. So, yeah, you know, body punches are one of those things that can be extremely difficult to to hide if you're if you're hurt. You get hit with a good one. And man, Andrade obviously has some serious power that she brought up to that weight class uh, and won the fight because of it. And I actually, it was the one that set it up, and there was another one up against the cage that yeah. actually dropped her. So yeah. she went right back to it. 
So 12th UFC win for Jessica Andrade. I know you have a healthy appreciation for the fact that she becomes the only woman in UFC history to win three fights in three different weight classes. I would also point out to to some of our newer listeners that the first women's fight in UFC history was in February of 2013. So women have only been permitted to compete in the octagon for seven years, and she's fought 18 times. So power to Jessica Andrade, big win for her. Caitlin Chukagian kind of sounded like a fighter who had one foot out the door during fight week. I think she wants to start a family, so we'll see what the future holds for her. But for Andrade, you can understand why there are people who want to see her fight Valentina Shevchenko, right? Uh, certainly mm-hmm. Jennifer Maya is out there and I believe is going to be next. You have Cynthia Calvillo, who unfortunately due to COVID-19 is not going to fight Lauren Murphy. Lauren Murphy is here on Fight Island. She has won three straight fights and they were able to find her uh, an eight and one UFC newcomer to fight this weekend, but uh, there's going to be some ground support can flow for Jessica Andrade to get an immediate title shot after that win, and I don't blame those fans for thinking she's worthy. Uh, you know, I, I think so as well. I, I think she have, she has a power that very few women possess. Um, she has a ton of experience, as you outlined. Um, she's fought for the belt before and, has, you know, a former champion, obviously, and um, I think it would get very interesting, and uh, perhaps this is the weight class for it. And we also congratulate Jimmy Crute. Hopefully later in the show we will have more on him. But what a huge win over a pretty credentialed Modestus Bukowskis. I know the betting line was prohibitive. Jimmy Crute was a huge favorite. But, uh, again, another injection of talent into a light heavyweight division that uh, really has some legs since John Jones sort of unceremoniously vacated the title. All right. Today's Ray Longo Minute. Is brought to you by Manscaped. We all know 2020 has been a little nuts, but that doesn't mean you should disregard yours. Manscaped is on a mission to take care of your manhood with their below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And we have good news for our international listeners, by the way. They have now released their products in the UK, Canada, and Australia. And as many of you know, this is not hyperbole. Manscaped has changed the way I go about my daily hygiene. No longer am I using the same trimmer on my head and my face as I'm using down there. Now that I got my lawnmower 3.0, waterproof technology, you can take it in the shower. And Manscaped has also just released the Crop Care Kit, which includes all sorts of products, including ball wipes. Always got to be prepared, Ken Flo. Foot deodorant, body wash also in that bundle. And these formulations, by the way, this is the rub for Ken Flo. They're all vegan, cruelty-free, dye-free, sulfate-free, and paraben-free. Ask Kenny if you want to know exactly what all that stuff means. But you're in good hands with Manscaped. And if you're not there yet, I'm telling you, now is the time to get in on the Manscaped craze. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash AF. No promo code required. Just go to manscaped.com slash AF for 20% off and free shipping. That's manscaped.com slash AF. All right, let's get to Ray. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. Well, fun fact for you. This is our 272nd episode and it's Ray Longo's 271st appearance on the show. He only missed one episode because he was traveling back after a fight and we had to tape on Sunday. But I, I set it up in this context because I think this is as excited as I've been to do a Ray Longo minute because really? Aljamain Sterling is getting a shot at the UFC Bantamweight title and Ray Longo you got to be pretty damn excited about that. Hey, Finally, man. Finally. Before we get to Al Joe, 271 okay. shows. Ken, you know what I got the show for that? <laughs> a fucking sore throat. That's it. I got a sore throat. <laughs> We're trying to get back to you, Ray. You guys know what the word delt means? 
Yes. Yeah. yeah. Gondolas. <laughs> shekels. You know, it's funny because I was actually just talking to Kenny Florian as to what he thinks your Christmas bonus should be. So maybe it just went up a little bit. Yeah, very good. That's all right. Let's go. We got it. We, I got a lot to cover. All right. So <laughs> Aljamain Sterling before, on December should we do it before we get to Aljo or not? Because let me just say something. This is off the tie. I'm thinking about this because I can't get the visual out of my head. You told me to watch the Fight Island documentary. I fe- t- totally phenomenal. What a great job. But I'll tell you, nothing was preparing me for when Tilda knocks on that door and I see John Anik come out in the robe, man. Hold, Kenny. <laughs> I got to see this for just that. Oh, no, no. Listen, Clark Gable and Gone with the Wind. Oh. <laughs> I thought he was going to go. Did he have an ascot when he came oh, out? Was it an ascot? I saw Raj a put pipe. a line in his drink. You know, oh, man, this, is, this was TV at its finest. I'm like. That's amazing. I, 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 I had to watch it five times. I thought it was going to be frankly, Scarlett. I don't give a damn. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, John. Hey, that was phenomenal. Well, well, thank you. It's the only time I put on the robe in a couple weeks on Fight Island. But no, I heard Paul Felder in the hallway say, oh, that's John Anik's room right there as he was on his way to the arena. I wasn't going with him to the arena because if you watch the documentary, you know that I had a false positive when I was over there. So I was in quarantine or right. at that point, for whatever reason, I wasn't able to work. So, right. so um, but yeah, so I said, woo. And the yeah. cameras showed <laughs> us. And of course, we both mispronounced uh, Kamzat Chimaev in that moment, unfortunately. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean. Phenomenal TV, do? Kenny. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he had like a Gucci robe on. You're not going to believe it. <laughs> Trust me, like, I love people, it. go watch the documentary just for that. You're do you not want me to go it. get the robe and wear it for the rest oh, of the episode? Love, if I you mean, could do that, 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 would, be, that would be I phenomenal. can do that. I can uh, do that, but I don't want to waste any more time because I know I you know. have scheduled a private for 40 minutes from right now. That's but in all seriousness, before we get to Brian T. City Ortega, Aljamain Sterling, in my mind, has been – the best bantamweight in the world or 1A for a couple years or so. And uh, he's finally getting a crack at Piotr Jan. It's nice that Jan wants to give the most deserving guy the opportunity and what is his first title defense. And December 19th, that's the matchup in Vegas, man. Congratulations. Yeah, no, what a what a big thing for Aljo. He's worked his whole career, obviously, for this. And, uh, and really, even a shout-out to Sandhagen, man. What a gentleman. And you could tell that guy's just a real true dude. Just but even after his win, he doesn't start making a case for himself. He says, you know, I'll take the winner of that fight. I thought that was just absolutely fantastic. And uh, win or lose against that guy, I'll always be a big fan. I think he's great. And uh, for Aljo, man, yeah, listen, I think he did everything he had to do to get the shot. Uh, and instead of saying, why do you have to wait so long? Let's just move on to the fight. And uh you know, I was with him the last couple of days. He looks absolutely phenomenal this far out. Uh, and uh, it's going to be a great fight, man. I think his head's in the right spot. Uh, and I'm just, I'm excited. You know, I so say you got I, about I mean, eight weeks. Yeah, I think the date is the 12th. I think it's the week after uh, Marab fights Cody Stamen, which, you know, also is a great fight. So I'll be doing a couple of weeks out in Vegas uh, just like the last time, but yeah, really exciting stuff. And, uh, Al Joe's man, he's a handful, man. He, 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 he's tightened some stuff up. Uh, and I really had a great time with him and hopefully I'll see him today also, but, uh, really just good. Good to, good to see him. Cause he, he just got back last week. I was at the uh, Mohegan sun. Let me give a shout out also to Aviv Ghazali he had a great 
performance uh, at Bellator. If you could, you should see it, Kenny. You like it? Great jujitsu flow. Uh, just a what a what a sweet, nice, honest young kid. He's 19 years old. I think uh, did he's he got win? A nice future. He won. Yeah, he won in the first round submission. But he, he was going from, you know, submission to submission, and he finally got the guy with a Kimura. Uh, yeah, Kenny, I think you'll you'll love it. What and, are you saying? I don't have a healthy respect for a Kimura? <laughs> well, you know, Kenny's really... No, you know, I know. I'm just, just kidding. He's got like eight stripes on his guys, fucking black around. I love it. Guys, I've heard about him for a little while. Man. I've heard about him for a little for a little while. I saw one of his uh, submissions. Uh, it was a beautiful heel hook before. This this kid really goes for it, and he yeah, is yeah. a legitimate threat on the ground. Yeah. Uh, and he called out Dylan Dennis, which I thought was interesting too. I think, uh, you know, he. So I again, I, I think he's a fantastic fighter. I'd like to see more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very, very nice, and a, and a, and a sweet. I'm telling you, really a nice kid. Uh, man, his old man did a good job with this guy, man. Really good. Great to see, you know, a 19 year old kid who conducts himself as a, you know, as a much more mature adult, you know? So December 12th, UFC 256, I yeah. UFC apex, Las Vegas, Nevada. So have you talked at all about what the plans are going to be? I mean, Al Jermaine Sterling has purchased real estate in Nevada. If you follow him on Instagram, you know, he's been spending a lot of time in Vegas. Is he going to be going back and forth? It sounds like he's back East at least right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope he stays here a couple of weeks. I'm really not sure. Uh, because I really just, when I got back, we just, I met him the day after I was back. We did Friday and Saturday and, uh, we just, there was a lot of, a lot of other stuff going on, a lot of great sparring in the gym. Uh, so I really didn't talk to him, but I hope he stays here a couple of weeks and then he can go back to Vegas and then, you know, me and Matt will get out there probably a week earlier for Marab. So it'll give us two weeks with him. Uh, I would think that's somehow how it's going to go, but I, I don't know. I'd love to see him stay here the whole time. But I don't think he's going to. Ken Flo, public opinion seems to differ as to how much of an impact the 30 foot octagon has versus the 25 footer. But to me, it has been a big factor in 2020. You can talk about the crowd and how some guys fight better with a crowd than they do without it. But I do think the octagon size is something worth bringing up. When Piotr Jan won the belt, he did so on Fight Island in the 30-footer. And I just feel like my thesis statement on the smaller octagon is that it favors the grappler. Not that there are more finishes necessarily. There have been more submissions. But if you're Aljamain Sterling, you're getting this fight in the 25-footer in Las Vegas as opposed to the 30-footer on Fight Island. Am I crazy to think that that's not – that's ideal. Is that not ideal? What am I missing? Absolutely. It's an advantage. Um, you know, and you see the statistics would indicate that you get more finishes overall, even more knockouts. However, I think the most significant thing for me when I'm watching a fight as opposed to a 30 footer or 25 footer is that it is an advantage for the grappler. It's just that much easier for them to cut off the octagon, uh, get to the clinch and bring that fight down to the ground. It's it just gives the striker or the person who wants to stand up and, and, and trade uh, less room to maneuver. So, yeah. All right. Hey, Ray, uh, I know your time is short. Do you have anything else on Aljo or you want to dovetail to this main event with Brian Ortega and the Korean zombie? No, I just think, you know, look, I I think, you know, I agree with Kenny 120 percent. But Aljo, you know, look, he he he's a great he's got great footwork. He moves so he can go either way. You know what I mean? Like against Sanhagen, obviously, he got that fight to the floor. But, you know, so I think it's a. I think it's a win-win for Aljo. You know what yeah. I mean? Either, either way it goes. But uh, as long as he's in shape, I think, uh, you know, again, five rounds against a guy like Jan is 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 not an easy task. But um, 
But I'll tell you what, man, when that kid's on, he's on. And uh, it's it's hard to prepare for a guy like Aljo. Trust me. Oh, no doubt. You know, he could throw he could throw as many kicks as you can throw punches. And that's unusual. Uh, And uh, I'm very excited for the fight. And uh, he earned it. He deserves it. And um, I think he's going to capture the moment. And I think he's the best grappler in the division. And Piotr Jan is going to be the favorite about minus 130 right now. Aljamain Sterling is plus 110. I do think that uh, that Jan will probably close as a slight favorite. But I think you're going to get good two-way action on that UFC Bantamweight Championship fight coming up December 12th and not the 19th. All right, before we get some predictions from you for UFC 254, how about Brian T-City Ortega? I mean, were you uh, expecting that he could uh, could present that type of version last night? No. Definitely not. I thought that kid fought amazing, very intelligent uh, range-wise. I mean, he he controlled the range of that fight. His counters were perfect. Um, I, I tell you, I, I can't believe he shut that guy down like he did. I mean, I Man. thought uh, – I mean, I think I, I picked the Korean zombie just even – I was more based on Hannah not being there. Maybe there will be a little mental – not happening. The kid was focused. He was dialed in. Uh, and, man, he showed a maturity that I think is going to really help him moving forward. You know, and to come back after a, a loss like this against, a, like, a wild man who he tamed. I mean, talk about, you know, taming a crazy person. He really yeah. did a great job in just shutting that guy down. And I guess when, you know, when you have the jujitsu and the guillotines like that, I guess it just was enough hesitation backed with every – other thing he did, the way he mixed it up with the fakes and going back to the kicks, to the punches, yeah. make them like he was, it just was, was a phenomenal performance. I mean, uh, I don't know if anybody saw that coming except for his team, I think. I mean, that was that was phenomenal, man. Very, very mature approach to that fight. For, for like, a, if you see me play EA Sports UFC 4, I look like the Korean zombie in that fight. I'm just fucking eating <laughs> shit all night. Can't get anything done in that video game to save my life. And I think the good news for fight fans is that you might get Max Holloway now against Chan Sung Jung in a main event potentially. So uh, that fight could be very interesting as a title eliminator. But uh, Brian Ortega is the number one contender. Before we let you go, Habib and Gaethje this weekend. And I'll put it to you this way. I know you picked Khabib Nurmagomedov to beat Dustin Poirier when he last fought last September, Ray. How yeah. much of a shot do you give Justin Gaethje relative to the kind of chance you were giving Dustin Poirier in Khabib's last title defense? Oh, I give Gaethje way more of a chance. Okay. Uh, but, you know, like, again, I think we're all going to base it on we saw some maturity with Gaethje against Ferguson and the way he was, at, you know, he was more patient. He didn't overextend himself. I think Trevor did a fucking phenomenal job, you know, with just keeping him focused in between, I think, that fourth and fifth round or third and fourth, whichever one it was. Uh, you know, look, there's there's no mystery. I mean, if Gaethje, I, you know, there are people that back down, he uh, backed it up. He's hard to hold down. If he's hard to hold down and he can keep getting to his feet, that will, I think that will be a nightmare for Khabib, although you cannot count him out on his feet. But Gaethje will have a huge advantage. The problem is if he can hold Gaethje down, uh, Kenny, and I don't know, but I, I just don't think that Gaethje has the jiu-jitsu to keep him off. That's the difference. Like, even with Al, Al, Al has jiu-jitsu and wrestling. Not, not the level of wrestling Gaethje had, but, you know, he was able to do things that offset a lot of that stuff and... 
where I, I just don't know where uh, Gaethje's jujitsu is going to be off his back. But if that happens, he he'll get mauled like really bad. But so the key to me is the scrambles. Will Khabib be able to keep him down? If he can keep him down, obviously it's a long night for uh, Gaethje. And if if Gaethje can scramble and make him work, because I don't care who you are, he's not Superman. You you know he's out started stuff and takedowns in the third and fourth round. You know what I mean? So the problem with Al that night, and I remember this distinctly, was that you know again he trained for a three round fight against Felder. He did no wrestling, so I know in between rounds his arms were dead, so he couldn't. The times he had to get his offense going, even though he was trying, because the kid's a fighter, he was his arms were dead from those first two rounds. So I think uh, that that's the key to me, man. If Gaethje can scramble back to his feet and get Khabib tired, and he starts unloading some calf kicks, and you know his his boxing looked like it was was on point. I, that's a long. I, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm I'm I don't know which way I'm going. So I I, I think. In my head, I want to go with Gaethje, but the other guy, you know, he's undefeated for a reason. He always finds a way to win, and uh, that, that's the problem, man. I, you know, right? I don't know. I mean, like, no, again, that's the rub. Is that- it's hard to bet against Khabib because he's proven time and time again, uh, you know, what he could do. But this, 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 this guy's got a different mix of attributes, and I, I, I think that's where my my feeling is. If he can scramble back to his feet and he cannot be held down. I think Gaethje wins that fight. There's only one way to set it up, and I hate to do this because we're all dog lovers and most of us dog owners in yeah. here, but it's different to come on the Anakin Florian podcast and pick Justin Gaethje than if there's a pistol to the temple of your dog and you say, all right, Ray, Khabib or Gaethje to save your dog's life. You may go with Khabib. You know what yeah. I mean? It's a totally different thing yeah. when you need something like that's the thing It's like it's easy to go on a podcast and say, oh, I like Gaethje fucking plus 250. And then next week it's like you're puffing out. I don't mean you, but and then you're puffing out your chest next week. And uh, and you know. John, it gets it gets even trickier if you hate your dog. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, the other right. thing. Well, it's just like. Let me tell you something, Kenny. Right. Nobody, knows. nobody they hates their dog. Kenny, nobody. Know. You haven't met my dog, Ray. Okay, <laughs> he's a pain in the ass. Doesn't listen to me for anything. Okay. But yeah, so I think that's it. I don't know, man. This is. I am so psyched for this fight. Uh, oh, me too. I'm kind of glad it's on in the afternoon. That way, I don't have to wait till nighttime to watch it. You know what I mean? I just want to get in there, and this is a this is a really great fight. You know. Uh, so that the, the intangibles to me are Khabib's undefeated. He always finds a way to win. And Gaethje, in a couple of fights, has found a way to lose. And I just hope he doesn't revert back to that mentality. And I think Trevor is going to do a great job with him. I think adding Usman in for the wrestling scrambles has to be a huge help. Has yeah. to be. He's a 170-pounder. He's a big, strong, great wrestler. That has to be a huge help to Gaethje. And I think because of that, I'm going with Gaethje. All right. I know you have 120 seconds left before. No, it's all right. Cool. Good, yeah. Co-main event at 185 pounds. I know this fight resonates with you as it does with the fans. Jared Cannonier slightly favored over the former champion, Robert Whitaker. Any thoughts on the co-main event at 254 before we let you fly? Uh, man, that's another tough one. What's the odds on that? So Whitaker is an even money underdog. So you put a hundred bucks on Whitaker, you get a hundred back. Got to lay 120 on Cannoneer to win a hundred. So Cannoneer is ever so slightly favored. 
No yeah. dogs' lives are on the line. I mean, I don't know how much dead air you want. What do you think? Um, I'll, I'll go with Whitaker. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, most of uh, most of uh, the fans that we pulled earlier today like Robert Whitaker. All right, and we'll see if uh, Chris Weidman and Hamzat Chimaev fight, but certainly uh, they are on each other's respective radars, so that's exciting. Well, let's talk about that next week for sure. All right. But, I, you know, I like that fight for Chris. I really do. I, I, I know it sounds uh, maybe a little crazy, but I think now's the time. You know, his kids, uh, you know, he's feeling himself. I don't know if it's, you know, too early for him to be feeling himself, but he's feeling yeah. himself. And Weidman's a big guy that I'm sure could match him in the wrestling. You don't want to be a smaller guy with Weidman. I think like no even doubt. Kelvin is a great fighter, but I think Chris will beat him nine out of ten times just because of the physicality of it. Uh, and I and I kind of feel that might be the same with this guy. He's good of a wrestler he is. Uh, you know, I still see Chris. He'll go with top, really top-notch wrestlers. That He's still great, man. He's still, right. for a, a guy even his age, he's still phenomenal. I've seen him go with D1 guys that sometimes we bring in, and he's not easy with, in, that, in that realm. When his head is on straight, that's his world, and, uh, you know, good luck with that. Right. The mental for him right now, he's motivated and he's healthy uh, and he's in shape. And you're right. Hamzat Chimaev might be a real problem in a couple of years. Looks like yeah. a pretty significant problem right now, but I guess we'll yeah. see. All right, man. I know you got to go hold some fucking oh, pads, yeah. so we'll let you get on out of here. But uh, congrats just, on the title fight for Aljo, man. Oh, yeah, I'm super soaked. And man, I'm just waiting. To, I want you to walk through that door of the gym one day. Get ready to go. Now, and forget the robe. Don't come in in the robe. But come right, in like, with hand wraps yeah. on and, you yeah. know, like you to do something. Hey, I mean, I know I was wearing the robe, but I just, just because I don't want to be a jujitsu player slash practitioner doesn't mean I can't crack a little bit. You know? Yeah, let's do it, man. I'm, I'm sorry. All right. All right, All right well, uh, listen, man. Have a great uh, weekend. I'll see you next week. I'm super stoked for this fight, man. I think this is going to be a, a hell of a fight. Can't wait, buddy. All right. Thank you so much for your Thanks, contributions. Ray. All right. Air Take it easy, guys. All right. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anik and Florian podcast. So one thing Ariel Helwani trotted out on his show, I believe, or maybe on social media, was this notion of a dream corner. And I've talked about this in the past, but I do think it has legs as a potential segment here on the Anakin Florian podcast. If you had to determine a dream corner for someone like me as a non-fighter, who are the four people in my corner? You fucking know Ken Flo's my chief corner. You know Dominic Cruz is coming. There are two slots left. You know, Longo's not getting a slot. I love him, but he's not getting a slot. I don't know if, <laughs> if my twin brother gets in there, if we're going to do something for, for the emotional. My twin brother knows me so well, and he yeah. increasingly knows the sport that I think he would have some value. But I do think in the future I want to throw this out there to the fans. If you were to come up with a four-man or woman dream corner, who are those four individuals? And, of course, Ken Flo's corner changed a little bit at times during his UFC career. But can you imagine, man, coming back to that stool after a bad round? You got Ken Flo and Dominic Cruz fucking chewing you out, Cody. I mean, <laughs> not good, man. I don't know if I want that noise. <laughs> it would what? be, you know, I'd be positive. I, I would be more of a yeah. positive cor corner. Yeah. I'd be trying to calm yeah. you down. Co Cody, what do you think? I think the noise really comes from the fact that if – Kenny says something that Dom doesn't agree with, then they're just going to be arguing at each other in the corner and you're not going to get any advice. So. Exactly. That's probably That's right. what would happen. Yeah.
But yeah, you should watch Ken Flo, uh, I think, cornering Kurt Pellegrino in his retirement fight. I think he gave it to KP pretty good that night. So, um, all right, we're going to talk to Joe Osborne here in about a minute, but I just wanted to acknowledge a couple other winners. Uh, the Mark Montoya train, James Krause stepping up on short notice and handing Claudio Silva lost for the first time in 13 years or so. And then Jonathan Martinez over Thomas Almeida. Brandon Royval had a win a couple of weeks ago, and uh, they're doing a great job at Factory X. But this Jonathan Martinez is a very intriguing fighter for me because we've watched his whole UFC career now five or six fights or whatever it is and it's been a constant deliberate at times evolution but he looks like a real contender to me and uh, I guess for James Krause Kenny it's just nice for me to see a guy like this who auditioned for the Ultimate Fighter live back in 2012, you know, get a little shine, get a short notice win and uh, sort of feel that appreciation from the fan base because he's a fine coach and a true mixed martial artist. And, uh, you know, that was not an easy matchup. And I thought he was pretty dominant. So. I think so as well. I thought that uh, it was a clean performance and he seemed to only get stronger as the fight went on, did a great job defensively with his wrestling uh, up against the cage and then really made Claudio Silva uh, kind of look silly at the end of that fight with the striking. Um, so I thought that was a great performance. I think uh, Martinez is is a tough guy, man. I thought he had a, a pretty solid performance out there. Gets a guy in Thomas Almeida who I think a lot of people were touting as a potential champion when he was 20 and 0. Um, so it, tough to see Thomas Almeida kind of drop uh, from being where he was. Uh, he still has some work to do, uh, but he ran into a guy in Martinez who I think was just a little bit sharper and just making better decisions out there. And the last thing I'll say, sort of putting a bow on UFC fight night, Ortega versus the Korean zombie. I'm excited to see how Mick Maynard handles Jimmy Crute going forward. I mentioned a few minutes ago how excited I am for the light heavyweight division. And I think somebody said online, maybe you do Jimmy Crute and Yuri Prohaska. But go look at the top 15 at 205 pounds right now. It's a pretty exciting time for the UFC light heavyweight division. But that card is done. 11 fights in the can, 14 more big ones coming your way this Saturday afternoon, UFC 254 live on pay-per-view. Let's get to the pick to click. Time now for the pick to click. The pick to click. All I have to do is bet on the winner and I'll never lose. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, today's pick to click is brought to you by oddshark.com. Oddshark is your source for the latest odds from leading authorities, expert editorial content, and detailed matchup picks with expert in-depth analysis for each game. Their free statistics, numbers, and trends will help you make the sharp picks on game day, even if you're square like me. Head over to Oddshark and start playing like a shark today. That's oddshark.com. Don't forget the second S. Also check out our Capper Cup standings. I'm trying to chase down some of these experts, but we are a middle-of-the-pack guy as usual. And as is customary during a pay-per-view week, we are privileged to be joined by sports betting analyst Joe Osborne on Twitter. He is at JTFOZ on Instagram. It's all the energy that comes at paper chaser. Joe, good to see you, my brother, wearing the Dolphins gear and everything. How's your Sunday morning going? Guys, you got to represent, you know, the words that Dolphins fan and pride usually don't go together. It's usually (laughs) Dolphins fan and extreme shame go together, right? But here we are. You know, a lot of people probably listen to this uh, after the Sunday's action, but here we are on the cusp of being at 500 uh, after week six. And had you told me that at the start of the season, I would have been very happy about that. You know, Coach Flores has a team going in the right direction. So uh, you got to take care of business against the Jets. So we'll go back into extreme shame if they end up losing that one, right? I actually ended up playing the Dolphins at 
11 to one to win the AFC East. So obviously they okay. got to come through here as nine point uh, home favorites against the jets. I basically tied every bet I've made today to Miami minus three ninety. So hopefully the dolphins at least win on that money line, but UFC 254, my man, beckons yes. this weekend. Let us start with this co-main event. I'm not sure if you have sure. a play on it, but Jared Cannonier slightly favored, minus 120 or so. Robert Whitaker returns fire here as the even money underdog. We asked our listeners on our poll question at Anna Florian Pod who they liked. Almost 66% like Robert Whitaker to get it done. Perhaps my Aussie followers are, are chiming in and making their <laughs> voices heard there, but any thoughts on the co-main event and if it's playable for you? Yeah, I agree with your audience completely here. I think uh, I think the wrong man is favored. So, you know, uh, when a fight's first announced, you play odds maker a little bit and you figure out uh, what you think the odds will be. I would have assumed Whitaker would have been here at minus 130, minus 140. So I think there's a lot of value on him coming into this fight. And I, I absolutely love the momentum that he's bringing to the match as well. Yeah. You know, he seemed to be in a little bit of a weird spot following that Adesanya loss. Uh, a bit of a long layoff, but uh, he ends up going into a big fight, a big main event against Darren Till. He takes care of business. And I also like that he's been through the Fight Island routine before. I think, John, you can attest to the fact that it's a bit of an unusual spot for these fighters. So I think that is something that's working in his advantage as well. Also, it's a classic spot here. I believe this is the most difficult challenge of Cannoneer's career. Plus, it is the biggest fight of his career, considering what's on the line, a potential title shot. Whereas with Whitaker, he's been here, done that. You know, he's been in the big title fights. He's climbed that ladder before. And I like the fact that he's been uh, two five-round fights with another big hitter in Yoel Romero. So I think that's something that's going to work to his advantage. So I like him quite a bit here. I think that... Uh, you know, uh, the matchmakers at UFC, maybe they're hoping Kandanir can make it easy for them and he can pick up the W. And you got a, a pretty good match up there with Adesanya. But uh, right. I think uh, Whitaker might spoil the party a little bit. And, and Joe, in the main event, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov, a three to one favorite uh, here mm -hmm. against Justin Gaethje. Um, do you see that uh, as an attractive bet for people? Are people going to be betting uh, Habib? Uh, not necessarily at, uh, minus 300, but there's a few different ways you can handle this. And, uh, that's what I'm going to get into. I'm, I'm taking Habib to win this fight. And usually I come on here with a ton of stats and trends, but that's not the case for this fight. You know, this is the rare example of an all time great, a guy who is 100% in that goat discussion at, at the absolute pinnacle of his prime. And I think he might be getting better, which is the funny yeah, thing here. I agree. You know, you look at the two fights he's coming off of, he pretty much manhandled both Dustin Poirier and Conor McGregor. And, you know, the threat of his takedown, you see that it reduces, uh, it reduced each of their best weapons, which is their striking. And I think we're going to see a similar case on Saturday night against Gaethje. You know, Poirier landed just 12 significant strikes in that fight. Uh, but ultimately, uh, on Saturday night here, uh, the threat of his takedown, I think it's going to nullify Gaethje's striking. He might be a little bit hesitant because he's going to be scared of being taken down. He will eventually be taken down and he will get mauled. He will get smothered. And for that reason, I like Khabib to win inside the distance. That's coming in at even money. Now, if you like him to win the fight by submission, it would be his third straight submission. When you can get that at plus 200, but I'm going to play it a little bit safer. Take him to win inside the distance at even money. And, you know, it's kind of funny when you're taking a big favorite like this, you kind of have to look back and say, 
or look ahead and say, if he did go on to lose, what would you look back on as a red flag, like as a reason for why he would have lost? And to be fair, there's not a whole lot here for Habib. If you want to get picky, you could argue that maybe he keeps the fight standing longer than he should. Uh, the later rounds versus Ally Aquinta might be an example of that. But you could also argue that his striking defense has gotten a lot better. You know, you saw him in there against Poirier, bobbing and weaving a little bit. It wasn't yeah. the prettiest thing, but it was effective. And he also landed the most significant strike versus Conor McGregor. Who would have predicted that, right? So, like I said, I think he's getting better here. Uh, he seems really motivated. You can only take so much away from uh, uh, the the pre-fight uh, interviews and whatnot. But I just think it's a good spot. And the thing with Gaethje is we don't really know a whole lot about his wrestling defense. You know, that could be maybe a potential red flag. Maybe he has phenomenal wrestling defense, but he hasn't really had a, an opportunity to display that. So I'm going with the guy who's undefeated here, and I like him uh, to – I think he has uh, four finishes in his last six fights. So I like yeah, him to keep that going. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he just – does this thing he gets the guys to the ground he mauls them then he smothers them and i think we're going to see it again here on saturday more mauling and more smothering and that's a professional handicapper a professional sports betting analyst i like the way you sort of attack that if he does lose how will he have lost i think that's a very interesting way to look at it and you always bring it when it comes to our our top big ufc fights hey before we let you go and maybe this is a little bit selfish of me but two NFL games on Monday Night Football tomorrow because of this COVID-19 climate. You got the Chiefs laying now five or so mm. at the Buffalo Bills and the Cardinals laying about a point at the Dak Prescottless Dallas Cowboys. You got a quick play for our audience on Monday Night Football before we let you fly. Yeah, two of them Chiefs all the way up to minus five. And that money is moving for a reason, guys. Uh, we got prime time. <laughs> That's because you put out your best bet on them at three and a half. That's why of it's moving. Of course, yeah. Prime time, Patty, Patrick Mahomes, nine three. One against the spread in primetime in the regular season here. And this Bills defense is absolute garbage, guys. 30th in opponent third down conversion percentage, 31st in quarterback pressure. So he's going to have wow. all day back there to work. And, and, you know, what happened last time the Chiefs were coming off a bad performance when they almost got beat against Los Angeles against the Chargers? They need overtime to beat Justin Herbert as a big favorite. They came out the next week, Monday Night Football, as an underdog and absolutely embarrassed the Baltimore Ravens. Now, I don't right. know if they're going to embarrass uh, Buffalo, but I think they can beat them by at least a touchdown here. Uh, Bills haven't been incredibly impressive the past couple of weeks. They got embarrassed on Tuesday night football against the Tennessee team who had uh, uh, the coronavirus for uh, two and a half weeks there. They barely right. snuck right. by the Raiders the week before that. Got bailed out uh, against the Rams by the yep. referees the week before that. So, yeah, I like the Chiefs. People will say it's a square pick, but... Don't pay attention to that. The Chiefs, they're a square pick every single week. But guess what? They're 11 and 2 against the spread <laughs> in their last 13 games. So right. I call that a money making team right there. Yeah. And then uh, the nightcap Cardinals versus Cowboys, kind of a fun game, I guess. Total set up 55. And I would go over on this yeah. one. You take a look at the Cowboys. Average combined scores in their game so far is 68.6. And easily. One of the worst defenses in the NFL. You know, you saw the Browns go into Dallas and score 49 points. The Giants scored 34, a few defensive touchdowns in there. But still, uh, Kyler Murray, Hopkins, I think they're more than capable of putting up 30 yeah. points here. And then here's the key to the bet, though. Dallas is awesome at playing catch-up because uh, they have a pretty good offense in their own right. And the drop-off to Andy Dalton, uh, it is a drop-off, but I don't think it's 
that significant. You know, he looked really yeah, good in relief when he came in. Nine of 11 for 111 yards, no interceptions. So I like over in that one. And uh, the Kansas City Chiefs to uh, bounce back here in Buffalo. All right, my man, Joe Osborne, oddshark.com on Instagram for more content at Paper Chaser Joe. It's a highlight of my pay-per-view week, buddy. Kicking it off with you. We always appreciate your time (laughs) and uh, enjoy your NFL Sunday, my man. Thanks so much. Awesome, guys. Good luck to you and good luck to all the listeners out there. Thanks, Joe. Thank you, buddy. There he is, Joe Osborne, with us here for the pick to click. And you go, you know, we got plenty more coming up on UFC 254. I think the boys have to make six selections here and they have to do it six full days before the pay-per-view because one of the hosts of this program is absolutely ruthless and doesn't have to make picks and he don't give a fuck. So let's get to the main event challenge. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely for you. I finished fights. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, today's main event challenge is brought to you by my bookie, where winning season has now returned. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. It means insane props, epic bonuses, and the craziest cross-sport wagers out there. At my bookie, winning season means watching live sports and betting on live sports all season long. I absolutely love the live wagering. And for most daily bettors like me, like Ian, we're rejoicing because the NFL is back in a big way, and that means action-packed Sundays and huge cash prizes. The UFC, of course, is also live every weekend, so a lot of opportunities to bet there. UFC 254 beckons here in about five days. So why not get in on the action? Use promo code Anik Florian and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play. So you put in a G, you're getting two grand designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. So bet with the best this NFL season. For your chance to win big, use promo code Anik Florian and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. And we now welcome in my good friend. He is the duck, Ian Parker. Ian, it is nice to see you. Nice to see you as always, John, working around the clock, I see. You sick bastard. Trying, buddy. You wear that same hat every week, don't you? Yeah, you know, I've had this thing since I was, uh, once I was in middle school, we were allowed to wear hats. I kind of had this thing where I wore it until it literally fell off my fucking head. Uh, Yeah. I was the kid that wore the backwards red North Carolina hat because of Fred Durst with Limp Biscuit. I thought that was cool. Clearly wasn't. Uh, huh. Then I went to like the khaki Abercrombie and Fitch buckle hat thing, then the Yankee fit, and then as an adult, this this uh, melon uh, hat has kind of just uh, stuck on my head. And uh, during COVID, this hair situation doesn't look good, so it's yeah. got to keep it, you know. Well, you look good. You look sun splashed, but we're going to update the standings and maybe that'll turn that smile around a little bit. It's another <laughs> sub 500 week for Ian Parker. He goes one and three on the board. Ken Flo goes two and two. That included the deciding win on Jessica Andrade. So team Florian wins the week two one. It is now 127 apiece. Heading into the big one, it's UFC 254, Habib versus Gaethje. It's live on pay-per-view. Don't forget the special 2 p.m. Eastern start time for those of you in the United States of America. And we don't set this up. I am so excited that we're going to hit November and you guys are going to be neck and neck. First fight for us today, the featured prelim at heavyweight, Stefan Struve, the minus 130 betting favorite against the struggling Tai Tuivasa. He comes back at plus 105 as he tries to avoid a fourth straight UFC loss. For Struve and Parker, UFC appearance number 24. Who do you have in this one, kid? I think this is a great fight for Stefan Struve. 
I really do. I think the length here, I think he's going to get a guy whose only opportunity to win is the brawl. And I think Struve has plenty of options here. He could use that push kick. He could use his length and he could also take the fight to the ground where he's got a huge jujitsu advantage. Uh, so without rambling on here, I'm going Struve. Ken Flo, Struve, Tui Vasa, your thoughts, kid. I'm going to go with Struve as well. Um, you know, it's tough gambling on Struve or putting money on Struve. Uh, though, because he finds a way to lose a lot of times, you know, it's like whether he's, you know, getting beat up from the get go or, you know, you know, has a bad start or, you know, is winning the fight looking great and all of a sudden starts getting caught and loses the fight. So, you know, I, I think that uh, all of those things that Ian said are, are correct. Um, but, uh, he, he has to stay disciplined. He, he tends to lose his focus during a fight. So, uh, if he, if he's able to do that, yeah, he should, he should get, definitely get the win. And I know Tui Vasa has made some, some wholesale changes. He's still training at home now, but he did go to the American kickboxing Academy for a time. He has worked on his wrestling. I don't know how much that will help him in this matchup, but yeah. both our resident cappers here, like Stefan Struve. All right. Rematch. Between Magomed Ankalaev and Iwan Kutelaba will be on pay-per-view this Saturday. So the first meeting in February, as many of you know, ended controversially after 38 seconds with an early referee stoppage. So they're going to run it back here. Ankalaev in the minus 270 favorite. He goes for a fifth straight UFC win. Kutelaba returns at plus 230. Who do you have in the second act, my man? I still like Ankalaev. I got that right. Yes, I worked on that. Good enough, just said, Good enough my man. After you said it, I just said it three times off camera. Yeah, no, I do like him here. Uh, <laughs> uh, again, I think for Kutalaba, the wild brawling style against a guy who's just so much more well-rounded, I think has better cardio as well. I'm not basing this off the first fight either, even though, you know, the playing possum thing is just not a smart move because the ref doesn't know that you're faking being hurt. It is what it is. Uh I'm, I'm going on Kaliyev here. I just, like I said, I think he's got too many weapons. I don't think he loses his cool in this one. I think the discipline is what's going to win him the fight here. And I'm just excited to see where he goes once we get past this a first trilogy that's not a real trilogy. Yeah. So that's where I'm yeah. going. Kenny, third time they've tried to get these two back in there together. Uh, it'll be done this weekend. Who do you have in this one at 205 pounds? You know, when I look at this fight and it's – pretty much the same thing. I think that uh, you look at two tough guys uh, who are going to be willing to trade um, and, you know, both kind of have the power and the speed. So for me, what it comes down to, who's the cleaner, crisper striker on Kaliyev? You know, I think he he's a little straighter with his punches. And uh, for that, I think he'll get from A to B a little bit quicker than Kutalaba. So I, I like on Kaliyev by by knockout. All right, next main card fight. Nice shine for these two middleweights. New Jersey's Phil Hawes making his UFC debut. He will do so as a modest 265 favorite against the fellow newcomer Jacob Malkoon. Malkoon in the plus 225 range. He's a longtime training partner of the former middleweight champion Robert Whitaker. But as I sit here on Sunday, guys, I can tell you I still don't have my UFC-generated bio on Jacob Malkoon. So my fighter card for Malkoon's empty. I don't have a ton on him. I've watched a little film. Uh, Ian, what do you have for us on Malkoon, who's 4-0, and taking on the more known quantity, I think, for uh, for UFC fans and Phil Haas. It's always hard to bet on a guy who's 4-0 coming into the UFC. You just don't see it that often. I think experience goes a long way. I think the odds kind of show that here. Now, who's to say that Malcoon can't pull off the upset? We saw something like that this weekend uh, in one of the other fights. I'm still going to go Haas here. You know, I just think the experience, I think he's a well-rounded fighter, and I think he's got a good fight IQ, and I think that's going to play into it here. So I'm going Hawes. 
Kenny Malkoon, 4-0, but the last fight for him was over a year ago, October 4th, 2019. On the other side, you have Phil Haas. A lot of people believe in this kid. Twice he competed on Dana White's Contender Series. Any thoughts on this one, my man? Yeah, listen, I think uh, Haas is is now coming into his own. I think that uh, the kind of camp that he has now, I think, is working for him. Um, but I remember people talking about Haas way back in the day as right. a dude who could really be a star. We didn't really see that come to fruition uh, on Dana White's uh, contender series, but I, I think he is starting to put it together. I think he's starting to believe in believe in himself now, uh, and and I think this is a a good fight for him to look good. All right, no disagreement yet. We will have Ken Flo lead on two of the final three fights, including this one, a featured bout at heavyweight. Alexander Volkov minus one seventy five. The big ticket. Walt Harris returns at plus one fifty five. So Volkov goes five rounds with Curtis Blades in a main event loss back in June. Certainly not the ideal training camp for him, Ken Flo, given the COVID-19 backdrop. How do you see him responding here against the big ticket Walt Harris? You know, I think if he's able to survive the first round uh, or so, I think uh, Volkov will will kind of um, start to chip away and and take over uh, and start to outpoint Walt Harris, who tends to kind of slow down as the fight goes on a little bit. Uh, Volkov, I mean, <clears throat> you look at his last fight against blades. I mean, how tough is that dude? Um, and he really has no ground game. And the fact that he was able to survive for that long against a dude in blades, I thought really said a lot. Um, so I, I, I think Volkov, uh, should win this fight. I think he's got to get by that first round. Walt is going to be very dangerous early on. Um, he's very quick hits, very hard. Um, wouldn't be surprised with a Walt Harris knockout, but I do like Volkov here by decision. And amazing what Volkov was able to do even defensively over those 25 minutes without having the wrestling bodies that he needed in preparation for the division's historically best wrestler ever. Uh, Volkov, 40th pro fight here, Ian Walt Harris. I thought he was very close to knocking out Alistair Overeem back in May. And the Reim, fortunately for him, was given an opportunity to rally, and he did. But what do you think about Walt Harris here as a plus 155 dog against Volkov? I think Kenny hit it on the head. The biggest separation in the deciding factor here is literally what Volkov did in his loss against Curtis Blades. Being taken down like that and still having the cardio, for me, just showing that, uh, just being so resilient, not giving up. Uh, you know, a lot of those rounds, he didn't take a ton of damage either. I mean, there was a lot of strikes, don't get me wrong, but a lot of guys would have given up. They would have been like, you know what, I'm down 10-8 almost every round. I'm just going to throw in the towel here. He doesn't do that. And if you look at his other fights, he's a very smart fighter and he's very, very good. Walt Harris does not have that same wrestling pedigree or the cardio of Curtis Blade. So I think if the fight stays standing past the first round, what Kenny said, Volkov could pick him apart and win this by a decision. Uh, you know, again, Walt Harris has the tools to be a top five guy in this division. But until he can finish the fight against a top five guy or be able to drag it into deep waters and prove the consistency there. I think this fight, I think the odds are actually kind of perfect here. And I think Volkov does win as well. All right. Co-main event, Ian, you'll lead us here. It's a middleweight title eliminator. Jared Cannonier minus 120. Robert Whitaker is the even money underdog. So Cannonier is the guy, the champion Israel Adesanya acknowledged as his next opponent. Should he get through the former champ Whitaker here? The question is, Ian, does he get through that former champion? Your thoughts? You know what? I might catch a lot of shit for the way I break this one down, but I'm going Bobby Knuckles here. So he, here's the thing, right? Cannonier 
it's hard to really see when you're knocking guys out quickly, as Kenny says, especially when you get to the top of the division. You know, I haven't seen him against a top three or four guy go a full five round main event or even the full three rounds, really. And I think when he fought Jack, I think Jack was so overly confident in his abilities because of his finishes so early in fights. And Whitaker, I thought the best thing for him was going five rounds with, with Darren Till. Right. We saw him get hit. We saw him overcome some controversy. And I think Whitaker has been there before. I think the experience, I, you know, I don't know. Tanya's power is something special. He is. There's something about him that people are seeing. And I see it, too. But it's hard for me at an even money play to not take the former champ who has gone five rounds with Romero several times. You know, obviously, Adesanya, that was uh, unfortunate. And he went through a lot of stuff with his family. But then to come back and do what he did against Darren Till, I really like what I saw there. And I think he is a smart fighter who likes to get better. I haven't seen so much out of Jared Kenyon's overall game to really know that if it goes past the first round or if it goes into the third round, is he going to be able to keep that power up? Is that lactic acid not going to take over his body? Is he going to, where's the cardio? I just have no idea. So based on the unknown, I'm going to go with what I do know. And I like Robert Whitaker here. How? Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to go by decision. All right, Robert Whitaker by decision. Joe Osborne likes him. Ian Parker likes him. On the other side, Ken Flo, I think you called Jared Cannonier's UFC debut, if I'm not mistaken. He's a perfect 3-0 and since moving down to 185 pounds. Story is well-documented at this point. Started his UFC career as a heavyweight when he was still an FAA federal employee. And really, the results have been great since he got rid of that full-time job, moved his three kids and his family to Arizona. The main event win, a TKO of Jack Hermanson back in September of last year. But it has been more than a year since Cannoneer competed. And Whitaker, to Joe Osborne's point, just won a fight on Fight Island, a very impressive performance against Darren until July 25th. So with that backdrop, Ken Flo, with the round, with the method of victory, who wins the co-main event? No, it really is amazing what Cannoneer has done. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've been bringing that up a lot. I mean, when he was fighting in the UFC, he was still working full time. Uh, so uh, now fighting at 185 pounds um, and still seemingly bringing that same heavyweight kind of knockout power. Um, he's always going to be a threat um, and he can certainly knock out someone like a Robert Whitaker. But um, Whitaker has a ton of experience. I think um, I I think we shouldn't be surprised if we see Whitaker shoot in and actually try to take Cannonier down. I think that is um, something that uh, Whitaker always has in his back pocket. Should he want to use that? I think he will. I think he's going to try to mix that in. Um, and uh, I think it's going to be tough for Cannonier to land those same kind of combinations and uh, beat up Whitaker like he's done to other guys at 185 pounds. So this is a step up, uh, step up for him. Um, I like Whitaker here, and I think he'll get a stoppage. Uh, let's go fourth round TKO. I see the fight going to the ground and him landing a lot of shots. All right, I'll give you round three since it's actually a three-round fight, if that's okay. Oh, yeah, let's Isn't do it amazing? That. Well, no, it's funny you say that, though, because I ran into Jared Cannonier in the parking lot of the Holiday Inn Express, and the first thing I said to him after hello and I wish I yeah. could look like that when I take my shirt off and all that – I was like, dude, this this is three rounds. Like this this is gonna whip off the clock. He's like, it's gonna go fast, man. There's no doubt. Yeah, so yes, I true. sort of was was thinking of it as a five round fight, but it's only three. So we'll give you Robert yeah. Whitaker there by TKO. And when both of you and Joe Osborne both fall on Whitaker, there's no doubt that a lot of our listeners are gonna go hit that betting line. We'll see how it closes. All right, finally, our main event, which will unify the UFC lightweight championship, Khabib Nurmagomedov minus three hundred versus Justin Gaethje plus two fifty. 
Khabib 28-0 flow set for the third defense of his title facing the interim champ Justin Gaethje. I guess, Kenny, I'll ask you how you handicap Gaethje's chances, and ultimately we will need a prediction as well. Let me talk about Gaethje. You know, here's a guy that we we just haven't seen a whole lot from him wrestling-wise. I mean, I don't really remember a whole lot of guys shooting in and trying to take Gaethje down. Um, but, uh, you know, from what I hear, uh, what he was known for uh, during his wrestling career was his defensive abilities, his ability to stop takedowns, scramble, uh, get back to his feet, you know, counter the takedowns, all those things. And Gaethje's a, a big, strong, powerful 155-pound fighter uh, who clearly has uh, and will have a serious uh, striking advantage against Habib Nurmagomedov. Um, He's fighting better than ever. He's fighting smarter than ever, I think, more importantly. Uh, and while my gut says there's something about this fight that makes it a very intriguing bet to go with Gaethje, um, I, I do have to go with, with what we've seen as far as consistency. Habib Nurmagomedov um, is a guy that uh, will take you down. Uh, and more importantly, not only will he take you down, he will control you and keep you there. Um, so while I, I do think that Gaethje can't scramble once or twice, I do think it's going to go south very quickly once Habib's able to control him. Because uh, Gaethje, unfortunately, can't rely uh, on his ground game, on his jujitsu to kind of at least allow him to survive. I, I think it's essentially he's going to be throwing the dice. This is, um, I guess, as you know, as close as you can get to a striker grappler matchup, even though Gaethje has a wrestling background, right. uh, as you can get, uh, here in 2020 in the UFC. Um, but I think eventually once Habib's able to control him, I think it, it's going to be, um, uh, it's going to be Habib by either submission or TKO. Um, so I, let, let's go, let's go with, uh, Habib Nurmagomedov. Uh, let's go. Let's go third round submission. Round three submission for Khabib Nurmagomedov is Ken Flo's prediction for the main event. When you got all serious there for a minute, he will control. It sounded like you were going to say he will control you there and he will kill you. Yeah, pretty much. Ian Parker, the floor is yours in about 60 seconds. Tell us who wins the main event and how do they get it done? I thought Kenny was going to be like Liam Neeson. I will find you and I will kill you. Right, right. right. Um, you know, I am going Justin Gaethje here. I'm taking my shot at the dog here. So here's what Justin Let's is known go. for. Let's go. Look, first time Khabib's not going to be with his dad. I hate to bring it up. I lost my dad. I know how much that sucks. I couldn't imagine not um, having him in my corner in a situation like this with probably his biggest challenge. What we have seen uh, is a newly improved Justin Gaethje, not necessarily evolved. I don't want to upset Kenny in uh, <laughs> this week with that wording. Cody, you owe me money for that one. Um, so I love the way Justin fought in that last fight against Dustin Poirier, where he, I mean, um, Tony Ferguson, I'm sorry, where he could have gotten out of control. He could have fell into that alien brawl type of situation that Tony brings. Trevor Whitman has brought us Justin Gaethje 10.0, not even 2.0, all right? The striking is crisp. It's on point. It's not just wild. When you strike with precision, your power elevates, okay, Kenny? I'm sure you you know what I'm talking about there. When you throw your hips into a punch instead of just swinging the arms, way more power behind it. 
He rel- he's got great takedown defense. We haven't seen it because people don't don't want to get close to him. He throws that uppercut, those elbows, and he brings violence. This is someone who will bring the fight to Khabib. He will not throw kicks to the thighs. He doesn't want to get taken down. So what is Trevor Whitman going to have him do? Pick the fuck out of that calf. Low enough right. where we can't scoop that heel and lift him up. I think if anyone is going to give Khabib fits, it's a guy who can go five rounds, who will die in that cage with a smile on his face, with no teeth left in his mouth. And I think Justin Gaethje wins by decision. I think he will keep this fight standing, I hope. If not, Khabib, the eagle, the bear, or whatever nickname he wants to take on at this point in his career, he can do some damage. But I think Justin, at these odds, to me, makes sense to take a stab. And, of course, in our scoring system in the main event challenge, you are incentivized to pick underdogs. So we'll see how it goes. But nice to see the duck fall on the side of Justin Gaethje. If you want more from Ian Parker, he is at Ian Parker MMA on social media. Looking forward to uh, my first boxing lesson with you when I get back to South Florida, my man. Appreciate your uh, your commitment to the show. And we will talk to you next Monday night, my brother. One last thing before I go. Kudos to Brian Ortega. He looked absolutely oh, phenomenal. That was Brian Ortega, the striker. And Kenny, I don't know about you, when he got that rap and brought him to the ground, that was just so easy and flawless. I wanted to see more jujitsu, but he was landing everything. This Brian Ortega is a title contender and will make that fight competitive for Alexander the Great. And right now, if that's anything plus 180 or over, you can give me Brian Ortega with that reach advantage. I love it. Good stuff, buddy. All right, good parting shot. And uh, best of luck with your Gaethje pick and your action. We'll talk to you next week. You got it, guys. Later. All right. Before we go, as many of you know, Cody and I are continuing our NFL handicapping challenge. That's the new nickname for it, by the way. It's not the pick to click anymore. Joe Osborne has that locked down. Our NFL handicapping challenge. So I've fallen back to 500, three and three. Cody gave you a nice winner on the Cleveland Browns against the Colts. So he is now two, three and one. Cody, who do you have for us today? Well, John, as Joe Osborne laid out for us, sometimes you're not betting on a side as much as you're betting against the other. And that's why I'm going against the 49ers tonight for the challenge of the week. The Niners offense is 21st in total yards. A lot of uncertainty surrounding the health of Jimmy G. I really don't see this as the matchup with the Rams defense that ranks fourth lowest in total yards being a spot where the QB position turns it around for San Fran. To top it all off, the Niners have only lost at home. They're 0-3 this season at Levi Stadium. So give me the Rams minus three and a half coming into Santa Clara tonight on Sunday Night Football. All right, Cody likes the Rams minus three and a half on the road. And I will take the Eagles swelling to 10-point underdogs at home against the Baltimore Ravens. Now. I know Cody doesn't like this selection at all. I know Philadelphia is banged up. I know Carson Wentz has been largely listless, but catching double digits at home, even despite the defensive numbers of Baltimore, I think giving up less than 16 points a game. I'm riding with the birds today, baby. Plus 10 home against the Baltimore Ravens. That is my best bet for week six. And we got to get on out of here. It is 8.22 p.m. here in Abu Dhabi. I'm going to try to stay up for a few more hours, but thank you all for indulging us. Thank you for watching on YouTube, for subscribing, for supporting on the audio side as well. Thanks to our guests, Joe Osborne, Ray Longo, and The Duck. Our producer is Cody Merrow. This has been a Veracity Media Group production for Ken Flom, John Anik. Saying so long for now. Appreciate the support. Enjoy UFC 254. We'll be back with you to recap all of it next week. Until then, stay healthy. Don't text and drive. And... Maybe wear a mask if it's not too much to ask. Go live.